This is The Mystical Positivist, a radio show dedicated to the application of reason in the pursuit of spiritual practice and development. It consists of commentary, book reviews, interviews, and discussion in and around the local and larger spiritual community. The thesis of the show is that rationality is in no way the antithesis of deep mystical experience. In fact, we assert that it is a necessary ally. I'm your host, Stuart Goodnick. Joining me in the following presentation is my co-host, Dr. Robert Schmidt. Rob is the director of Tayu Meditation Center and founder with myself and Jim Wilson of Many Rivers Books and Tea in Sebastopol, California. This week on the show, we feature a pre-recorded conversation with Teresa Dentino, author of the newly published book, Membranes of Hope, A Guide to Attending to the Spiritual Boundaries that Keep Life Systems Healthy from the Personal to the Cosmic. Teresa Dentino is the author of eight books and serves as a guide and spiritual mentor to many. While attempting to reclaim and restore her ancestral medicine lineage, the Italian Strega tradition, Dentino was surprised to be claimed by the West African Dagara tradition of stick divination. Honored by this invitation, Dentino pursued it, and in 2011 was initiated into this potent form of divination. Beside her family and daughter, this turned out to be the greatest gift of her life. Stick divination helped Dentino find her way back to her lineage and enables her to help others find and restore theirs. This beautiful practice of Dagara stick divination continues to offer countless gifts. In multiple divination sessions, Dentino was taught about the spiritual membranes that protect, nurture, and inform life systems. Teresa Dentino, welcome back to The Mystical Positivist. Thank you. It's great to be here. Thank you for having me again. Our it's, pleasure. It's our delight. And uh, we'll begin by, um, because you've appeared a couple of times before, um, I'll ask you to update um, for for listeners who have heard some of, your, some of the earlier conversations that we've had with you, for you to update what you've been up to. Now, part of it we'll get into, of course, as we discuss your latest book, Membranes of Hope. But um, but maybe you could just give a sort of uh, uh, thumbnail of what uh, what kind of stuff you've been doing, how perhaps the pandemic has affected that, and uh, et cetera. Yes, I was trying to remember when I was on last and. Mm, I don't remember. It was certainly before the pandemic. Yeah, I think it was probably uh, a couple of years maybe ago. Maybe a year and a half. Yeah, yes. Uh, what have I been up to? Well, as you said, I, I was um, writing my new book and uh, also very busy with Nasty Women Writers, that, mm-hmm. a website that I began with my sister uh, as our. Um, way of resistance from the former administration. Um, and so that that's keeping me really busy. And then, of course, the um, the mentoring and initiating. Um, so in the last two years, I initiated two of my nieces. Yeah, oh, that's cool. And that was extremely interesting because I went to New Hampshire and initiated them there with the family as what I call the merge, the initiation team. Mm-hmm. So my family um, is helping me initiate the family members into 
our lineage, the Strega lineage, the lineage of the um, Italian medicine people, but also with my added Dagara lineage that I was initiated into and the way that those interact and intersect. So that's been really, really interesting to have those really special weekends with my family members in ritual space for the whole time. Mm. And, um, and then with the pandemic, of course, I needed to postpone all in-person um, meetings, which means no, no initiations. So it's been, um, so that was difficult for some people who, who were really excited to finish their training, mm-hmm. but I couldn't see a way to make that happen. So it's just, again, been all remote work since the pandemic and all remote divinations. And I really miss the, you know, the, the people in the room and the energy of the people in the room. And I really miss doing ritual with people hmm. in, in the same space. It's, it's an interesting question because I think so many of us have been living th- these virtual social lives with uh, large numbers of people virtually and then our closer families uh, physically. So I'm wondering how you found, particularly because so much of the initiatory work is dealing with spaces uh, beyond the physical as well as the physical, how that presents itself differently when you're not able to be physically together. Like what what does that physical dimension add add to the experience, and uh, or what does the lack of it take away? Yeah. Specifically, uh, the, as, the as physical energy of a body is what's missing. So I can I do a lot of remote divinations, and it's fine. The information comes through, and I don't know that the quality of the divination is necessarily different, except that um, the person on the other end doesn't get to feel all the energy that's in the room, the actual physical energy that gets generated in the mm-hmm. space of a divination. And they're not holding the stick with me, mm-hmm. which always um, I feel helps me, Yeah, you know, to have the actual person holding the stick with their hand. And it, it's like, um, it's like generates a different kind of, of space. Well, so, what yeah. One of the things that you uh, mentioned late in your new book, Membranes of Hope, is the, uh, is the, electromagnetic field generated by the heart in the body, in the human body. And, and so, of course, it makes sense that you can't connect to that in the same way or, or its, its effect on you while you're doing the divination will not be present in the same way. Right. And so it's more exhausting, uh, mm. I feel, for me to not mm. be getting mm. the literal chi of the other person helping me and i don't know what else to call it you know but yeah. like chi or yeah, um, well, I think... it's it's and, and i the the larger um experience of the pandemic in general i have really noticed how much i miss being around other physical bodies and just celebrating mm-hmm. together and i i'm somewhat surprised by how much i miss that and how much it's yeah adds a dimension to my life that 
I don't know what, what the word is, but it, it's like a missing warmth or mm. commu- I guess, well, it's not really community though, because I'm seeing people, but. Right. Mm. But it's a, there is something different because certainly in our own tradition, when we speak about three brains, you know, the, the physical body is a, uh, you know, a, a system that interacts and there's information that's being exchanged, even if it doesn't present itself uh, conceptually in our consciousness in a really obvious way, it presents itself like the color and the, uh, the texture of the experience. And then yeah. I, I think that's a big difference. Uh, I've noticed uh, actually the few times where I have gone into the office uh, for some event and I've, I've noticed an interesting effect where I'll, I'll find it hard to look someone in the eyes because, mm. you know, it's like, it's like, because I, I'm just not used to, I used to interacting in that way because we're always a little off center uh, when we're on zoom because the camera angles don't, don't actually allow us to have eye to eye contact in that flow of energy that comes from that. That's so interesting. Cause I just noticed that the other day, I I had the experience of noticing I wasn't looking into the person's eyes that I was speaking to. And I said, wow, what did, where, what's happening, you know? Yeah. But especially when you have the gallery view on Zoom and you're kind of looking <laughs> at all these people at once. And I, yeah, that I didn't put two and two together. Yeah, well, before we jump into the well, book, well, I, I just, I, I'll just add a, add a comment um, to, to that point, which is that my experience of the pandemic is different than most people's because I'm uh, still at our uh, spiritual bookstore six days a week. And, um, and, and what I have noticed, and, and people sometimes bring it up explicitly or not, but what I've noticed is that, is that um, people really do hunger for the presence, even though we now have, you know, these clear plastic sneeze guard things between, you know, around the desk, uh, the front desk area. And so um, there's a, there's that obstacle um, there, but nevertheless, people will linger longer just to talk. I've noticed. Mm. And, and um, sometimes I think sometimes they're quite conscious of the inclination to do that because they'll report that, they haven't been out for weeks or something like that out of the house for weeks or whatever, or whatever, whatever it happens to be. And other times it's just, I, I clearly pick it up that there's a kind of, um, uh, a reaching out of their energy that wouldn't be there ordinarily. Mm-hmm. And so it's, it's, it's quite an interesting, um, contrast to, to, you know, your and Stuart's observations, um, because it's sort of the, the obverse of, uh, of yeah. the pandemic experience. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. So the question I wanted to ask, um, uh, we've talked in the past about the Wedeme or the, uh, elemental beings or the spiritual beings that you work with. I guess I think of it as they, they mediate the divination process. Yeah. Uh, and the given their connection to the earth, uh, what is the what is the information you get from that realm in terms of the meaning of the pandemic? Like what what is what is going on at, uh, for uh, humankind 
to be dealing with this right now. For humankind? Yeah, humankind and actually animal kind, because it feels like where we're all huddled in our uh, uh, homes behind uh, computer screens, uh, the nature is actually kind of expanding a little bit. Um, I don't think anything's changed for them. <laughs> I, you know, I, I even the trees, they're not having the same experience. Mm-hmm. You know, it's it feels like this is a human. I don't know. That's I haven't even gotten much. I mean, I, I at the beginning of the pandemic, we did a group divination, kind of just saying, you know, hey, what's up? You know, mm-hmm. um, and they did tell us it was going to going to be a long time, mm-hmm. and that um, we were going to come through it, and and that we might lose hope, so that we need to. The recommendation and the ritual that came out of that divination was to plant what they were calling seeds of hope. So plant um, anything that you want to see in the future, deep into the earth. So put it in an egg or a seed, the wish, and and know that it's going to take a while. But at least you're you're. They wanted us to project ourselves into the future to to keep that yeah. hope alive. Um, but I haven't even, I haven't felt, well, yes, we did another, it all just feels like they they try to help us and they're telling us how to help other humans. Yeah. But I don't feel that their realms are having any kind of a, you know, it's just kind of not happening for them. That, that's uh, interesting. Uh, maybe, I mean, obviously, I might be tending to take a human perspective, you know, that uh, if something happens to humans, then it's important for everyone. Uh, and so it's an interesting reminder that something could be happening for humans and the rest of the creation is uh, actually not affected or it's, 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 it's something else. But it, I mean, part of where I was coming from though, is there, you know, there's again, a human story that emerges that nature is sort of, reclaiming its space and humans are being sort of contained because of this. And so I might've expected that, you know, there's a, a, a sense at a natural or elemental level of a sort of recovering. And yet I'm hearing you say, wait, maybe not so much, you know, maybe, you know, the, for the trees, you know, their, their domain and ex- experiential realm is so different that it's, it doesn't even, it's not even a factor. That's what it, well, I mean, after the initial lockdown where we actually couldn't even go to the parks, do you remember that initial lockdown mm-hmm. where they kept us mm-hmm. out of the parks and people were, <clears throat> and, and I'm not, you know, everybody's having their own experience of this um, pandemic. Um, but I, when I finally got to go to my park that I walk in every day, um, the trees were really, they said, well, we've really been missing our humans. So it really was a different, you know, I thought they'd think, thank God they're, you know, they're leaving us alone, <laughs> get out of here, walking all around us. And, but it didn't feel like that at all. It felt like, oh, we've missed our humans. You know, mm-hmm. Interesting. we're glad that you're back. So it's, I feel like it's the same thing that we were saying, like there's something about a pre- the presence of another being and especially if it's, a being you have a relationship with, then why wouldn't they, they would miss us. 
Mm. Yeah. Well, let me, let me, I, I hadn't thought to ask this before, but it's, it, it just come up, came up for me to inquire about your, your sense of, since, since, you know, you've written a separate book about uh, relationships with trees and the, the importance of trees, it certainly comes up in um, membranes of hope as well. And I'm wondering, uh, and, and, the, and another big theme in membranes of hope is the, the uh, ecological uh, destruction that's, that's in process um, around us, um, that uh, we are only slowly turning to mitigate. Um, and I'm wondering if how that lands with the trees in your view and experience. The ecological destruction? Mm-hmm. And the prospect of further... Um, I mean, I don't know if that, that's a view that they would hold, but, but that's why I'm asking you. Mm-hmm. Right. So uh, their perspective, right, is, is their perspective. Yeah. Um, and ours is ours. And also, I think I, I tend to think we're a little bit misguided around this whole situation as well. Mm-hmm. Um, I couldn't. I couldn't agree more. But go ahead. <laughs> so, um, I I remember one time I, you know, I I've been having to really grow myself up around. Um, what I might label sentimentality and projecting my own experience onto the trees. Mm-hmm. So, um, and by the and by the way, that comes through in membranes of hope. Yes. Okay. Good. Uh, and um, I remember. I mean, I write about this in the tree book that I I have this tree I visit every day. That's the grandmother oak, and I'm very much attached to this tree, which. Mm-hmm. You know, I um isn't you know it's not a good way to go. But um, and one day I I I was really worried, and I I told her I'm I my biggest fear is I'm going to come here and you're going to be gone. Like it was mm-hmm. you know it was just like this desperate like, mm-hmm. and and the same thing about the forest and all of it right. Like my biggest fear is you're going to die. You know, mm-hmm. and I just got. <laughs> just it's not really scolded but i i was told grow up <laughs> everything dies and we're going to mm-hmm. die too but we're not going to we're not going to be gone and you need to you need to kind of grow up around death and mm-hmm. and energy and and i i will take a different form i'm going to be fine you know and it's always so then there's so there's that, right? But then there's the actual de- definite and real situations that are happening that are awful. I mean, you know, destroying the ecosystems and pollution. And it's not to diminish that at all. It's not right. to diminish the situation, the severity of the situation we're in and that we need to take action. And we really, it, it's important 
you know, the very least, so we can breathe or human, you know, humans right. can remain. But that's what they tend to say is, well, if you guys want to stay, <laughs> you know, it, they, it's always going back to you can choose to fix this and then humanity will continue or maybe you won't and humanity won't continue right. on this planet. But either way, you know, so it's and it's. <laughs> Either way, either way, either way, Earth abides. Right. Either way, Earth abides. Life abides. The universe abides. The you know, um, and your your whatever we are humans, whatever mm-hmm. this is, this um, this kind of I guess I call it the human experiment. I don't know what else to call it, or you know, it, it will find a place or a, a way to continue yeah. in, in, in another form or yeah. Well, it's it, what this reminds me of is uh, a picture or a description that I ran across in the Seth material, the Jane Roberts material, the, the, what I guess what I'd consider the original channeled work before channeling became a thing. And I love there, there, yeah. there, 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 there was channeled work. Before yeah, there Seth, was, there was, but, but, but not, not Seth at that. was a step up. Yeah, for sure. but, but the model, it was an interesting model because the, in, in that worldview, reality is multidimensional and the earth is multidimensional. And, and so there are infinite varieties of profitable directions that we can all go in, in our journey. And the ecological crisis is more of a story about choices humans are making. It's like the animals don't get killed off and the trees don't all die. We simply sever our relationship with them and go towards a reality where there aren't as many or there isn't the same kind of uh, uh, relationship. And in a way, it's sort of like, uh, uh, like, being in a closed in in a pandemic, we go away, we, we retreat from nature and nature doesn't go away. As you say, it's, it's, it's like the trees aren't going away. The, uh, the animals aren't going away, but our co-experience of them might go away. And what we're in danger of creating for ourselves or the choices that we're making for ourselves is do we want to choose that direction? But it's not in a larger sense. We're not, as you say, you know, there's a, there's a different perspective from which one doesn't have to be sentimental about what's happening. But at the same time, there's kind of a cold reminders Yeah, you can go this way. You can walk off this cliff and you're the only one who's going to fall. Mm-hmm. Right. And, and if you choose to remember that you're actually part of an ecosystem, your life might be so much more enhanced and so mm-hmm. much more rich and you would have so many more relationships. Right. So that's the other choice. Right. You maybe even you would maybe even have community if you could understand that community doesn't only mean humans. Mm-hmm. That's, that's such an important thing. That's one of the things that I really liked uh, about your book. I mean, but to continue this particular point, um, what I really appreciated about the book and, and in what you just said 
uh, Teresa, is is this sense of being able to hold sort of impending disaster and maturity about um, how life works, which is with death. Life and death are inextricable, right? And that and that simultaneous holding of of these things is is um, is a kind of maturity or represents a kind a kind of maturity it seems to me and it and it infuses uh, membranes of hope hmm. and and i think um it's something that i've that that i really appreciate not just about the book but about what you're just saying about how how to hold multiple realities and not have to privilege one over another mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So um, perhaps we should get into the book. Yes. So the book, your new latest book, Membranes of Hope, it's, it's, you write that it's a guide to attending to the spiritual boundaries that keep life systems healthy from the personal to the cosmic. So that's quite a, quite a, a, a scale. <laughs> right. Yeah. And 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 you and you and you address that sca- those differing scales. Yeah. <laughs> um, but let's let's first um, ask you to talk a little bit about um, the the central uh, theme of the book, membranes, mm-hmm. because that's that's a key point that you return to again and again throughout the work. Membranes at different scales to continue the point we just made and, and how, um, how membranes uh, define something, but are nurtured by the thing they, they demarcate. So let's talk about that, if you will. Right. So, um, yes, I, I realize now that the book's out that my, my work now is to try to, really bring this concept forward, this mem- membranes concept, you know, that I'm using in the book, which, um, so the, the concept or uh, what I want to say, the, the imagery mm-hmm. um, is of this, that we live in a reality that is, one of nested membranes. So we live in a reality where we have a membrane. So a membrane can be defined as a permeable boundary. So the membrane, um, it's, I use the cell membrane as the main, kind of the main jumping off point. So the cell membrane, which formed in the early sea, created the ability for there to be an inside, an in integral inside and within held within this this container this oily sack and the fact that that evolved and happened made it possible for all of life on biological life on earth to complex life systems to develop because if you don't have the membrane surrounding the interior of a thing or a being or a community, or a family, then it's not held. It's not held, and it's not protected, 
And it can't go on to form its own sovereignty, its own what we might call individuality, because it would keep just getting dispersed into the environment and into the atmosphere. So when the first cell was developed, it was the first time there was this inside and outside. And the outside is different than the inside. And so that's what the membrane allows. It allows for there to be these pockets or bubbles or um, circles of, of existence that are held in integrity and are different than the outside environment or, or separated almost from the outside environment by this membrane. And, and so then they're not really separate because they're all with being held within a wholeness but within that wholeness are are individual membranes communicating through through the intelligence of the membrane the boundary itself has an intelligence that can say well i'm going to let you in and you're going to stay out because you're not great for my what's inside and um so that is the basic concept of the membrane Mm-hmm. And so what I was, what I have been taught uh, in multiple divinations, so I do need to say that this information has come through in multiple divinations where the Strega Tree Diviners sat down and listened um, to the beings in the spiritual dimensions that we work with. And we were taught this concept of, how the membrane is a fractal reality. It exists at all levels of being and that the job of this, of the medicine person or spirit worker really is to tend to these membranes Hmm. because they keep life systems and life healthy and, and whole. And without them, everything's at risk. That's that's a that's a very um, nice summary. Um, thank you. I, I will as a sort of a, a, t- a side tangent here. I was um, you just mentioned these oily boundaries, membranes as as being oily, and 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 um, it was one of the funny things to me reading in because you use you make this point in the book, and um, and I hadn't realized it, somehow it hadn't settled in my head that cell membranes are basically lipid-based. In other words, they are fatty, fatty yeah. oily uh, ways to, in, to, to as you say, boundaries. separate, yeah, well, to create, to create a boundary between in and out. And, and, and it hadn't occurred to me that that's, um, that that's true at the cellular level. But then it also begs the question of how do we how because you you bring up lots of different uh social and um uh energetic membranes beyond the cellular level and how thinking about lipid boundaries uh, actually kind of helps us understand that that um, 
that the permeability of membranes is, is, is really important to focus on. So I wonder if you could talk yeah. a little bit more about that aspect of membranes. About the permeability of the membrane. Permeability and how that how it how even that whole image of the oily, lipid, fatty nature of membranes can be a metaphor at other levels. Mm-hmm. I mean, obviously, a, com- a human community doesn't have the same kind of membrane around it that the cell does and yet and yet since you're saying there's this holographic principle um operating how do we how does that help us understand the operation of membranes at at these greater um levels than the cellular yes i think that the way i would talk about that um, right now is that they the the Wedeme and the spirits um, said over and over it must it must be elastic it must be um, if the if the membrane gets too hard then it will break and um, the way that they a lot of the way that they kind of language the permeability on that level of a like a village membrane or a family membrane mm-hmm. um it felt like the community and the family and 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 everything that's held in the village they they need to be remain open to change they need to not so in other words n- not such rigid rules that you know mm-hmm. no but no you can't get in here because you're not that right and and can and so i would i would guess i would call permeability at that level as openness open heartedness um allowing allowing change allowing new information in because what's happening when when we when when we get too closed off is that we're not allowing in new information um so i guess that that would be the way that i would talk about the permeability on that level Mm-hmm. But also one of the, I mean, as far as the, I like to call them bioenergetic membranes because um, there, there is some kind of a oily thing going on in the physical world mm. in ecosystems uh, that they, they, that I, I, you know, this was, it, sometimes this gets so hard for me to be able to, I mean, I don't understand it all, obviously, and the, and but they started talking about the the life cycle, right? In the in the chapter about how oil is a good offering to the membranes, mm-hmm. and they said, "Look, we don't want you to go dumping oil every. You know, we don't want you to go, <laughs> you know, it doesn't mean you go buy really expensive oil and just and dump it. Every, that's not what we we mean. Um, please preserve." please stop interrupting the process of the life systems and the pollinators are so important for life systems. And there's, there was something about this, the way that works, the whole, you know, life cycle of flowering plants and birds and pollinators and the oil in the seed Mm -hmm. (laughs) that, that the earth needs that, that, that to continue. That's a part of what upholds, the the ecosystem membrane and also the trees um 
being able to stay connected to one another. And, and I guess that, and then, and then the medicine person is listening to that and trying to attend to what they hear through divination or just communicating with the trees or, or just Mm -hmm. the subtle listening that, that people that work in the subtle realms are able to do. But um, yeah, I guess I would say the permeability on those, on those membranes is, um, is about, you know, don't get too attached to the plan or how you think things ought to be or how Mm -hmm. you want things to be. Cause then you're just pushing, pushing that onto reality rather than participating with the call and the response that is reality. That is is fascinating because I just, just a few days ago, I, I was, you know, I subscribed to these science newsletters and there was this image of like a, I don't know if it was an amoeba, but it was, I, th- I think it m- maybe was, and it was, it was sort of encountering another uh, microscopic uh, life form, and it would, it just would sort of uh, shape itself around that life form, and then, and then, and then withdraw once it like you're like oh this is this is not where we want to be <laughs> but it was like it was, it was like so flexible and then i want to relate that to something that that um kept coming up for me as i was reading membranes of hope because you raise the issue of um electromagnetic fields in space around the earth generated by the sun um generated by the plant uh, by the earth itself by our bodies, um, et cetera. And we have a friend um, who's just in the process of finishing a book about, um, he's, a, he's a fourth way teacher and practitioner about how important it is to realize that basically everything that's interesting is, is about plasma. So plasma mm-hmm. is... Um, is the operation of these, of these electro, I, I mean, I, I'm not, a, I'm Stuart will know more what to say, how to define plasma better than I will. But, but I kept coming back to how it dovetails the idea of the operation of plasma um, in ways that we think are not alive, you know, like the Van Allen radiation belts around the earth or something like that. Right. But he, he, this friend of ours seems to be suggesting that, in fact, that's where the action is. Yeah, and the, the plasma, they're like plasma trails and very subtle formations uh, throughout the cosmos, connecting stars together, connecting the sun and the planets together. We get information and we get uh, finer grades of matter at all levels in this, uh, you know, interconnected uh, web uh, and the plasma is the vehicle for that. And, and now cosmology is starting to even recognize uh, uh, through our scientific instrumentation, these vast structures that, um, uh, so it is interesting that the, 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 the notion of membrane, no doubt can be understood at that in these levels of these subtle plasma formations as well. Absolutely. I I think that that's, 
Uh, that's beautiful. I'm so glad you're bringing that up. I want to read his book when it comes out <laughs> because it really, um, obviously, there's so much that we don't know, but mm-hmm. it is it is a form of intelligence. This these these boundaries, these these barriers, these protective <clears throat> walls that that get created from what's inside them which mm-hmm. that that's really compelling so, to me also they arise organically from that which is within them so like the atmosphere the way that that got created was from a call and response of the earth to what was going on in the upper regions and 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 we could interact with that in a way that is mutually enhancing Mm-hmm. rather than destructive so again that goes back to that choice that we were talking about earlier and maybe now we're just getting all the data so that we understand that we could um you know have a more mutually enhancing relationship with the membranes or the containers that actually really do protect life systems including the earth the earth has created so many membranes yeah um but to to find the to find the will in the collective humanity, right? To to find a way to get the will forces to want to do it is our challenge, I feel. So I, I had a, a couple of questions before we start to crack that question, because I want to go back to a, a little more basic uh, notion of the membrane. Mm-hmm. And the way you describe it, particularly the the, the, the foundational cleaving of uh, reality into inside and outside seems to me related to uh, the formation of uh, self, the, the idea of, uh, of, uh, of experiencing self in distinction from not self is like having this boundary of inside and outside. And you tie the notion uh, of the interiors in different membranes to the notion of soul. And so I wanted to understand that and understand how you understood the use of that, uh, the term soul in this context and, uh, you know, where, where, you know, like our direct experience of beingness um, entails some, some sense of uh, like deep within us as a center of, uh, you know, uh, unending creative flux and we might call that the seat of the soul but does every membrane structure have just such a seat or is that is that is there some difference there so that that's what i wanted to ask you about is how how you use the word soul in this context mm-hmm. right yes um well it's a tricky word isn't it <laughs> yeah oh it's such a tricky this is this was a big big issue for me as i was reading the book Oh really? Okay. Yeah, yeah. Well, um, that's why I'm interested too. So, uh, so go on, and and I'll I'll get into my questions. Okay. So, um, perhaps I should have talked to you while I was writing. <laughs> 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 you know, soul is a word. I was raised Catholic, so I had a lot of baggage coming with that word. I would say. Um, Me too. And so. But when I began to divine, um, mm-hmm. right from the beginning, 
um, something would often appear in a divination, especially the first divination I ever do for someone. Um, I'm trying to not get too complicated in defining, describing this, but I would see what could, what I could only call a soul. And I, I desperately tried to find a different word. Like I was really cognizant that I didn't want to trigger the person I was dividing for. And so I would say, well, how do you feel about the word soul, you know, to try to, to try to make sure I wasn't going to, um, you know, re-traumatize someone or set up any alarm bells. I couldn't find a better word for what I was seeing, which um, I now might define as that part of us, which is eternal and never dies Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and doesn't lose its memory. Um, Because this either it would be a, a literal pattern, like a literal circle with a geometric form in it, or it would be an archetypal form. Like I would look up and, oh, there's a priestess here. Oh, that's her soul pattern. That's what I would hear. That's her soul pattern. So then I would go through all these machinations of trying not to say soul. <laughs> it would see your pattern of origin, which I, I do say that in the book. Yeah, you do um, use that phraseology. Pattern of origin or, you know, and... So I, so then I just, most people would be like, it's okay. You can use the word soul. So I kind of just dropped all, all my machinations around that to get on with the divination. But as I was writing this book, I just, I really, I even say it in the book. I, I was shocked to find out halfway through that I was writing a book about the soul or I couldn't find a better word for it. And I, I feel that the way Stuart defined it was very you know very much how I relate to it but it really I guess the word soul it's uh, this sacred interior you know I also call it the holy of holies that's within us or within a temple or within and and I do believe now after writing this book that it is within every membrane so a community has a soul and the earth has a soul and um families have a soul and lineages have souls and and what I, and what i mean by that is there's something there that is sacred and really should not be trampled upon and should really be super protected and 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 the way that you <laughs> um do because that is determining the quality of the membrane okay so um it's this precious interior space that needs to stay um, respected. That, that is respected. It needs to, yeah, respected and um, oh, just treasured, precious. This precious, it's it's this precious life. That's you know, that's alive and stays alive, even, mm-hmm. even beyond um, its articulation, its yeah. current articulation. So oh. I guess that I just went with the word soul. Right. <laughs> uh, because yeah. Again, I couldn't mm-hmm. find a better word. But that's, that's what you're saying is interesting that if every, if within every membrane, 
there's a soul. You know, my my experience of my sacred interiority is seems to be, among other things, a source of expression, action, um, and there's a reference or unity that kind of pull. There's a unified field that's pulling experience together, kind of clustered around this uh, this physical form. So. Would you say that there is the analogy of that, let's say, in a family? That is there a is there a eternal uh, source of creativity that knows itself as a unity that is the locus of a uh, family, even if the participants of the family have their own consciousnesses and their own souls, just like uh, you might say that my organs or my cells and my body have their own souls. Well, it seems to be, um, and and but that would fall into the what we might call a group soul. So it's not sometimes we, and this is also stuff that's come through in divination, which I really don't fully understand because mm-hmm. we've all been in so many families. If you believe that we reincarnate, um, and we, but, but. But there does seem to be this other um, thing going on with what we would call group souls. And I I do see that a lot in in divinations and in my own family. And and I don't know how or why. I don't know how or why any of this, you know, it's it's so big and vast. And to put language to it immediately diminishes it. But how is it that a lineage has a, like, there's these lin- medicine lineages and, and the, the, these people seem to be in this same lineage and, and this group, there's a group soul around it. They seem to have a common denominator around mm-hmm. what I would call their soul. Um, I don't know. I have no idea where I don't, at all understand where they originate like these group i mean i could just say the big bang you know maybe (laughs) i mean i I think it's you know fundamentally it's it's quantum physics that i always turn to even though i'm like i'm not a physicist and i don't want to botch it all up but this idea of quantum entanglement right like once once you meet someone you know what you're all forever entangled right it's it seems to be that it is this this web of interactions and relationships and that we really, we, our soul, our, our energetic fundamental essence that really doesn't ever die um, remembers it all. It's mm-hmm. holding memory. The soul is also holding memory. Well, uh, um, the, the description of connection, I mean, so, so this is my, you know, to get away from from my whole, from my Catholic upbringing and and then my exposure to Buddhism, which is often interpreted as no soul or or no enduring permanent soul. But to get away from that, it's like it's it's interesting to me to hear you what you just had to say, which resonated for me um, that I'm hearing a paradox. So soul is eternal and unique, and it's also necessarily and inescapably connected and connection to 
the rest of the universe in, in, in these different, in these different ways in which information is shared. And that's another topic we need to get into is information because that comes up in your book. But, but, um, if we understand soul necessarily to be a paradox of uniqueness and inescapable connection simultaneously, then I can, I can start to, I can start to hold that in a different way. Obviously, this is different than the way my Catholic upbringing defined what a soul is. And in some of the other material that I've come across over the, over the years, it also causes me to remember, you know, Stuart brought up the Seth material earlier. And one of the, one of the most striking images I remember from that is the idea of individual human lifetimes being like fingers on a hand and they're connected at the wrist or whatever, an arm level, and then to a, to a bigger body, etc. But those fingers have individuality, right? Uh, a kind of uniqueness. That's a really good, dis- yes. So, I, so I, that I, metaphor is helpful to me. Right. In the multidimensional reality where, you know, then we get into time where we're, we're living all our lifetimes right now. Mm-hmm. It really is no past or future, right. right? So that's, and so, but there's this one part of us that's in all those lifetimes. And what mm-hmm. is that? So right. again, I'm just using the word by default. Yeah. I mean, in, in the Seth, in the Seth material, uh, uh, Seth refers to that as entity. Entity. Yeah. I, I mean, he, he'll oh, use, I he'll use, that. He'll use the term soul as well, but entity is another uh, aspect of that. Is mm-hmm, is that, mm-hmm. that uh, there's an entity that is this multi-dimensional entity, and as you say, at least at one scale, all of the reincarnational lives are simultaneously lived. They're not in sequence. They're sort of this burst into the human realm that uh, we sort of mutually partake of. And we can, you know, in, in a sense, actually be in relationship with those other selves in those other realities, just like we can be in relationship with ourself in probable variations of the reality that we're in. Correct. And we can be our own ancestor, which is another, yeah. well, how does that work? <laughs> but it's, you know, it's this, again, we don't know how any of it works, but um it's if it's it's really all just energy right i mean not just but it's all energy but it's but there's but there's these these energy packets that have a little more density yeah (laughs) and and are having these experiences Mm -hmm. now uh, as far as like an ecosystem having a soul well I feel, even though that word is a little bit uh, triggering often, what kind of a world would we live in if we understood that our communities had souls and our villages had souls and mm-hmm. and the ecosystems have a soul? What, you know, if, that we live in a, 
everything's in salt. And um, would we take, would we live differently? Yeah, right. So, 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 so I, I mean, I like, I like this direction that the conversation's going because it seems to me that we're, we're thinking of soul at different scales and those different scales all are connected um, necessarily. So in an ecosystem soul, it's the contributions, the, the ineluctable contributions of each smaller, denser um, localization, as you put it, um, that, that, um, uh, and maybe, maybe we could also say that the, uh, that the soul of the ecosystem is greater than the sum of the parts. Perhaps. Yes. Mm. So it's the, you know, you could use the word intelligence, right? It's the Mm. internal or, or organic intelligence of a system. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, that is in constant communication with itself always everywhere. And mm-hmm. out of that is, is constantly self organizing and sustaining itself right to until the membrane gets um, compromised and then things start falling apart. And so once well, actually, the area starts breaking down, yeah. once the membrane gets compromised, then, then the soul starts soul intelligence it can't function as a whole anymore as a, as so, a, as a coherence as a coherent whole yes hmm. okay. so again going again what is that called in indigenous tradition soul loss yeah you know and um there we are with that word again so well it, you know i mean it's it's kind of like um uh When we talk about soul in the way that you've been doing here, um, as not this this narrow, rigid idea, but as having all these connections and implications, um, then that that's a different model than um, it, it's it's holding the things that we grew up with, but recontextualizing them in a more mature way. And, and that's, that I think is one of the things that you're trying to do in Membranes of Hope in this book, it seems to me, because, because you, kept, you keep coming back to it and then at, at these different scales, as we've just been discussing. Mm-hmm. Yes. But, but that leads me to uh, want to take the discussion to, to your... Um, uh, I was just looking at the, uh, uh, refreshing my memory by looking at the book a few minutes ago. You have a table of contents and it's a, it's a very, you know, uh, detailed table of contents. But then in addition to that, you also have a page, which is like a table of contents for the rituals in this book. You say rituals in this book, a quick glance, which I think is actually a nice uh, thing to have added. Uh, to the book, because as a healer, as you've said, and the work uh, to um, offer the work, uh, what a healer can do in this time, um, you you offer a lot of rituals for the different 
scales of healing necessary. So why don't you talk about uh, talk about just rituals generally, and then we can we can talk about specific ones, perhaps. Okay. Yeah. So the book is um, is a guide, uh, and I am attempting. I, I really um, I'm attempting to give someone who wants to read the book and wants to participate in taking care of the membranes mm-hmm. of of their community, their family, the earth, and then beyond cosmic level. Um, I'm trying to give the reader the tools, any tools they need. And, mm-hmm. and I'm trying to make it, I tried to make it very accessible. So that was very challenging. Um, it was a very challenging writing project because, you know, living in my own little bubble with people who speak my language, I really had to, to try to explain what I meant by what I said. <laughs> so, um, ex- so ritual, I believe is, is, um, one of the main components of spirit work, because when, when one engages in ritual, one is engaging with the multidimensional aspect and unseen, unseen parts of, of life or the world. And so when, so when you engage in, in rituals, you are opening the door to the spiritual dimensions in that you're you're stepping out of ordinary time and into mm-hmm. all time mm-hmm. and in that space one can affect change or you know um heal so so is I, that so i'll just interject so is that yes. a moment when membranes become more permeable perhaps i think the dimensional membranes most definitely yeah. Okay. Thank yes. you. Anyway, yes. go ahead. But go ahead. You can. So, the rituals in the book are are set up. So I start with the personal membrane, and there's many many rituals there to um, enable someone to really learn how to take care of their personal membrane or personal boundaries, or you know. Mm-hmm your auras, your spirit bodies, your etheric bodies to really start to understand what is my, where, where's my Holy of Holies? Where do I begin? Where does the other, the other world begin and what's my relationship and to start to really understand when it's time to, to attend to your own personal membrane. Um, because you're not going to be much help to the village membrane if you're basically falling apart or, you know, having a <laughs> breakdown or you know, your personal membrane is, is compromised. Right. So that one got a lot of space, but also those rituals can be extended out to the other membranes. So I'm not sure I'm answering your question, but no, you are, you are. Okay. So I put the, the rituals in there, actual um, things you can do, you know, literally go and go out and do this, go out and, and, and sweep each other and sweep a tree and clean, clean the energy and, you know, um, set up a a medicine wheel in your yard, get yourself oriented inside your own membrane, then extend it out to your village. So you understand the orientation of your village and you understand where are the boundaries of my village and, how can I feel them? How can I perceive them? So to begin to really 
get into a, an actual relationship with with the many levels of the membranes through going out and doing these rituals and but also the rituals are are how you tend to the membranes so you know that's that's what the rituals are in the book for because that's that's the way I work um that is very much the way um the dagger of lineage works and I, I think most spiritual practices have ritual as a main component yeah there are uh rituals like when i think of uh, western magical work there are forms and rituals or practices and often they have the character that you're describing of alignment of creating a membrane within which then um, a purification may take place and the filtering of cosmic energies into uh, into a the local domain you know to partake of a both a broader perspective and a, a larger healing but the there's a character since we've worked with you in a couple of divinations there's a character of the rituals in your tradition that seem to combine you know sort of simple acts simple materials a sense of humor and a sense of openness that um, I find you know, distinct. You know, it's like because at one level I might say, well, what you know, if I do something like uh, uh, pour some milk at the base of a tree, or 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 uh, uh, make a circle with ash and put a quarter in it, or you know, there's any number of things that I might do as offerings. My rational mind, of course, says, well, nothing, nothing can be going on there. You know, this. Uh, and yet I've had direct experience of uh, both reactions or, uh, or, and also direct experiences of uh, the, the spiritual dimension that's uh, behind the context for that ritual is actually quite vivid and quite alive and doing things and uh, bleeds through the reality that my objective mind constructs uh, sometimes in very unexpected ways. So I guess I, I, this idea of ritual does seem to be like it, it's a way of connecting us. It's almost like uh, we're doing an action in this realm, in this bubble, and then in another bubble uh, that, that's in a different within a different membrane space. That act there's a different level of that action that's taking place that has some really really profound implications for us. Yes, and I, I think the key of what you just said is that one when one does these rituals um and gets a response um and then keeps doing them like the response gets stronger and stronger it's 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 really remarkable and there is this feeling of aliveness Mm. that that becomes starts to come forward and and suddenly you 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 understand what people mean when they say we live in an alive universe everything's alive and everything will interact with you if you only wish to want to begin to listen you know so the rituals some of the rituals like you said are so subtle in this tradition and and sometimes I even too I'm like come on you know (laughs) really just pour that yeah just go pour that you know do it do it's not more you know less is more sometimes 
you know, but it's our mindset. Like, well, if I really want to fix this huge problem, I need to pour more and more on it, you know, <laughs> but no, no guys, no, shh, it's okay. You know, maybe it doesn't, maybe it's, it's more the energy you're bringing to it. Maybe it's that there was a readiness, you That's... know, when, they, when, when you come for a divination and you get prescribed these rituals, the way I see it is, oh, there's just such a red, just go do it because they've been waiting or, or it's needed so badly. And, and then you do it and, and you have this experience uh, that feels so magical um, that it's, it's really, it, it never disappoints in, mm-hmm. in my experience. <laughs> that's, that's really interesting because uh, I, I like your emphasis on, well, it's like, it's, it's like, it's so common in our culture to think we have to do everything ourselves i'm speaking for myself here but but i see it projected as well by by other people it's it's like unless i use my will to make x and then y and then z happen it's not going to happen and um and certainly the some of the some of the rituals that 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 uh uh, and i have experienced working with you and you know, and then rituals in other from from other um, uh, from direction from other sources. Similar thing. It's like, oh, I don't have to be always doing something. I can receive, and that's one of the things. One of the points in your book that that you that you repeat in almost probably every every i didn't i didn't go back and check but i think every ritual you emphasize you underscore the importance of listening of paying attention of being open to response from the effects of whatever ritual you're doing from from um energies and beings that might be interacting that you might be interacting with through the rich through the methodology of the ritual so that so that it's that feature of 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 putting down effort and just listening is one of the key things i think in this book would you would you agree with that well it's interesting because i um i would say it's the key yeah it, i wouldn't be surprised because it's the key thing in my work mm-hmm Okay. And I'm reminded over and over, your job is to listen. Yeah. Your job is to, no, no, your job is to listen. <laughs> and, and I can't tell you how much, I had so much trouble writing the earth chapter. Mm. I mean, I think I wrote six versions and threw them out. And it was, mm. there was just this grief I couldn't get beyond. And, mm-hmm. and I just felt, it just felt futile. Like, it was very difficult. Um, and then it, well, there it was again. Well, just listen. Maybe you don't know. We don't know. We really don't know. Really, even though we have a lot of data, right? We have a lot of data about climate change. We have a lot of data about how many years we have left. We have a lot of data about how everything's not great. And, but, we really don't know 
what's going to happen. And, and right. I, it's arrogant to think we do, but what we can do is listen and not assume and not project and not put all of that onto the earth and her processes and what we need to do. Like you were saying, we have to do something. Well, maybe we need to do less. (laughs) Maybe we need to listen. And, and, and as I say in the earth chapter, what information I get today is might not be relevant next week because we are really in a time of change. Mm -hmm. And so is life. If we stop listening, we don't even have a roadmap. How are we going to have a roadmap if we if we can't listen? How do you know? That's our only really. That's our main way to even understand. I should think how how to move forward with most things if we stop listening at any level. At any um, level. Well, this is interesting because uh, uh, you know. For many years, I, I uh, ha- having grown up with that Catholic background, I, I mentioned, um, I had the idea that prayer was about me asking for things, forgiveness or, you know, a typewriter or whatever it happened to be, right? <laughs> when I was a kid. <laughs> Yeah, it was a, and then and then boy was I, and then boy was I mad at God when it took like seven years for the typewriter to show up. You know? <laughs> I'm so sorry. <laughs> at the age of five, I didn't know even know how to read, but I wanted I knew I wanted a typewriter, and so uh, I was, oh, I, was so tw- I was twelve before I got you know a typewriter. But anyway, um, uh, the point is that that. Uh, so, so my my relationship to prayer was really um, desiccated for so many years, even decades into my adulthood, until I finally began to grasp that prayer is about listening. Prayer is about asking for, as you as you point out in the book so frequently, it's about asking for information. But to ask for information means you have to open yourself up to hear or be present to or see the information. You know, we use the, we use the word hear, um, but it's also seeing. Mm-hmm. You know, it's the aspect of, of being open to seeing something that we, that we don't, that we aren't in the habit of looking for. And so I, I um, you know, I, 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 and you do bring up prayer in a number of places in the book, and that that it seems to me is 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 uh, just un, uh, reinforces my own growing realization that prayer is not what I thought it was when I was a kid. Yes, I um, I loved how the wedding may say. Um, Prayer is care. Yeah, right. <laughs> Caring for the membrane. How can you care for the membranes? Prayer. Because another thing about ritual is it, it's intentional, mm-hmm. right? So that is also what moves it out of the daily, ordinary life is that you're going into the ritual with really strong intention and focus. And 
And that's what prayer is, very intentional speech, right, from our heart. Mm -hmm. And it's really important. Yeah. Thank you. So um, um, you've you've alluded to the fact that you kind of the rituals throughout the book build in scale or in, uh, grow in scale. And I don't know if you want to say something more about that. Um, there's, um, you know, there's um, there are, there are explicit rituals you, that you mention, you know, to the to the different scales that we might uh, hope to interact with. Um, but then you also, as you've alluded to in this conversation, you also say that well, you can you can scale up some of the some of the uh, smaller scale things to bigger scales, depending um, upon need, I guess. So can you talk about that a little bit more? Because, because I think, I think people, people aren't necessarily, uh, I mean, uh, you know, they want a recipe <laughs> and, and that's understandable. And yet, the more I cook, the more I realize that recipes are a starting place, not the ending place. Mm. Mm. So, so talk about that, if, that, that aspect right. of, of, of how rituals, how we create rituals that are, that are meaningful and useful mm-hmm. and can help healing. Right. So also in the, also in, in the book, one of the, um, one of the ways I instruct, um, for taking care of the membranes is also through creating shrines at each right, level of right. the membrane. And, and so I don't want to not mention those because um, the shrine is, the shrines are very important in, in what I'm trying to bring forward because then each membrane has um, is cared for at a certain location by a certain medicine person. And that, that shrine can become a, 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 a point of um, very high energy and a place to have these, these interactions as well and, and go to do the more, um, to do ritual there. So in the, in the Dagger tradition that I am initiated into, there's a lot of shrines that we build as we go along in our initiation process and it continues after. And it's, it's quite, um, it can look quite cumbersome. Um, there's a, there's a lot of shrines and I didn't understand the genius of this until I started really doing the work. The shrines are holding space for these larger energies and, um, but they're, they're right in my house. They're right outside my house. So I can just go to that shrine and make an offering, you know, Mm. rather than having to go to the mountain, the mountain, the mountain's right there, you know, there's the shrine, go on, make the offering. So it becomes this really compact um, Mm. and really user-friendly cosmology once, once you begin to work with it. So if you're holding space for, for one of these shrines and you're making offerings at these shrines, because um, being African, medicine it's all about making physical offerings 
this starts to build power and create more agency for your job as um, a keeper of the membranes, let's say. Let's say you say, I want to do this. I'm going to tend to the village membrane. And here, that's one of the ways you're going to do it. You're going to create a shrine for your village's membrane and begin to work there regularly. So then, then it comes alive and you start to have this really alive interaction with, with this shrine that's for the membrane. So that's, that's one of the ritual components in this book. And I give instructions how to build the shrines at every level of the way. Mm-hmm. Um, but um, so let's say for the personal membrane, I, I have um, a ritual that I offer to people for, it's called a sweep, right? So it's called a basic sweep, a cleansing sweep. So it's this beautiful, it's actually, again, one of those really subtle rituals that is amazing. It feels so good when you do it or when someone mm-hmm. does it for you because someone needs to do this for you, but you can sweep each other even better. So you take fern or rosemary or any branch you would like to use and water and you can go you can go stand by the water the ocean or you can do it with a bowl in your backyard and so in this ritual the water is doing the work so that it's a water ritual and water is very cleansing and and healing and so the idea is that maybe you've got some dirt on you (laughs) some some negative energy or you had a icky interaction with someone or, you know, according to the dagger, you just dirt happens and you just get it on you by living and you need to sweep it off regularly. So a lot of these rituals I call basic housekeeping. Hmm. It's basic. It's just like you brush your teeth. You need to sweep. You need to get swept. You need to get that dirt off you. So literally the person takes this branch and sweeps, the other person and and when you're when you're offering this ritual to someone you can if you can really tune into the different layers so you can feel you're you're sweeping their actual body you know they've got clothes on and you're sweeping them but then you start to feel oh there's something up there and uh, over the left shoulder or there's something over their head oh there's lots of you know lots of stuff going on up here it could just be that they've been on the computer all day you know so but you're sweeping it and cleaning it away and it just feels really good so if then we go up to the uh village let's say we go from there to the village membrane with this sweeping mm-hmm. ritual mm-hmm. um let's say something really traumatic happened in your village and people are sad and upset go find a tree and sweep it and like let the tree stand in for the village and you can sweep you can sweep the tree and clean the village hmm. or you could use so that is so then you go up to the earth level right so how does the sweep compare to the earth level well i actually have a little globe that i yeah. literally sweep <laughs> you know? that's cool and I stand in this is the earth earth i'm going to sweep you i'm sweeping i'm cleaning you cleaning you and then just Again, listening, feeling, oh, I'm, I'm, I'm feeling that. I'm, you know, you, you're tuning in with the earth and you're sweeping the planet hmm. and see what happens, you know, see what you pick up, see what you might even get more information. And then as far as the cosmic membranes go, 
Um, I actually was, <laughs> you call in the cosmic sweepers <laughs> <laughs> and they showed up for me as these grandmothers with brooms that you, brooms that you send out and say, go clean up that, that area of the universal membrane. So you, you have to figure out who, who, you know, I can't sweep the cosmic membranes, but they can because they are in a dimension beyond this one and they've got the little brooms. So that's one example mm-hmm. of how you would, you know, extend these that ritual out to all the members. Also, there's one in there um, that's called soul washing. And it's a very simple ritual of, of washing your soul um, by washing an egg in milk. Hmm. Right. It's got a lot of different parts to the, to the ritual. But you can do that for your family. You can, you can say, this is my family, this egg, my family system, the soul of my family, and I'm going to clean it. So there you are. You're, you're, in, you're going into this very intentional space and holding the soul of your family in your mind, and you're offering it this cleaning with the milk. And mm-hmm. it's, it's just very profound. And you can do it for your village, and you can do it for the earth, and you can do it for the cosmos. Do you see how those? Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. So when you've done that uh, for the, uh, at the higher scales, do you, you know, you, let me back up. When, when we do a cleansing, like you're describing for ourselves, it's like taking a psychic shower, Mm -hmm. right? It's kind of feels almost like you're showering on the inside or, uh, uh, that's how I've experienced it in similar practices. What's it like when you clean the earth or what, when you clean the cosmos? What I see it more is that I'm offering them. So I would do it as an offering. Like I'm offering you this, this cleansing. I'm offering you this nurturing and cleansing. Please accept it and in the way that you need it. Because then again, I'm getting to the, when I get to the level of the earth, it's, it's beyond me, yeah. right? It's, she's, right. she's a sovereign being, but I can offer her this healing if she would like it and kind of express my concerns. And I'd like to offer you this care. So it's, it's, it's more of, um, or, you know, there's a whole section, there's a section in the book where I talk about the hierarchy of beings. I might call in the star beings. I'm, I might offer them my hands and say, you, you clean here. Well, let's offer this healing to Gaia and come and take my hands and wash the earth soul with me. Mm. You know, so the scale the hierarchy of beings is is something I put in the book because I do think that it's important to understand who, who's the right energy for the for a certain job. And that make and that makes sense. And I, and I appreciate that you when when you bring that up in the book, this point that you've just raised about hierarchy, you are are very, I think. Uh, I'm trying to, I, I really admire the way you do it because there are obvious, we're, we're finding, you know, the news is full of 
reasons for us to uh, disparage human social hierarchies as we've come to know them <laughs> and practice them. Right? <laughs> this is a this is a period of history where that's that's right there in our faces in ways that never were true before. But you're very you're very skillful at 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 saying kind of in the way. Um, that you were talking earlier ab about, you know, life and death, um, the way to me telling you, get over it, get over yourself kind of, you know, and, and it, it's not that, you know, I've, we have some friends who say that there are spiritual hierarchies and it's not because people have power over another. It's because some people have more information or knowledge than others and it needs to be communicated right so hierarchies aren't aren't in, inherently bad and you 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 frame that i think nicely thank you thank you right i, I call it uh, uh the sphere of influence mm -hmm. so a, a star being ha has a lot more a bigger sphere of influence than a human and a human has uh, it's not to diminish the human influence, but we do need to understand our sphere of influence. And that's, that's why it's in the earth chapter, because it's like, you know, we really don't know what's going on, but we can, we could try to call on beings who might hmm. beings that, that are, are bigger than the earth. Um, their sphere of influence is bigger than the earth. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, and I didn't, you know, I, I really balked at this idea of spiritual hierarchies before I became a diviner because of that reason. Like, mm -hmm. oh, you know, we need to project ourselves onto everything. But, and when I read Steiner, I was like, come on, you know, <laughs> and then I started divining. I'm like, okay, <laughs> there, there is, um, there is this hierarchy. Of, well, from what I've seen. But, Again, but, you know. but I mean, it seems like uh, I, when I've heard you talk of that hierarchy uh, in divinations, it's, it always feels like it's it's just different scales, different scales of being, just like we are talking about the scale yes. of the cell, the scale of the organ, the scale of the body, the human realm, the scale of the uh, uh, ecosystem that we're in, the scale of the planet. And the scale of the solar system and the and the sun, and all and we don't. The interesting thing about hierarchies of beings is just um, to connect with beingness at those higher scales. Is we have no idea. I mean, uh, the Earth as a being as and as a consciousness, we have no idea what what that is. Mm -hmm. what, what that what that experience is um, right we can i suspect that deep down there's something that will feel very familiar about that because deep down everything is one but mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. but in terms of detail and uh the the nature of that i you know that that's that's what comes up for me i have no idea i i i, I can want to help it and that's what i like about the idea of uh, offerings and ritual and 
in our teacher's tradition, there's the idea of prayer absolute where, mm. you know, your prayer is going to relieve the suffering of the absolute. And so, beautiful. yeah, so it's, so it's, I, I, I like and, and feel really connected with the idea that we can send our energy to assist at, at different scales. And I, I think you expressed that beautifully and make it tangible in terms of these rituals that we can do. But I think that's the right direction, you know, as opposed to wanting something or, you know, it's like, I've got energy and I'm grateful. So let me, let me yeah, share it. Right. Make an, yes, make an offering of rather than a request. Well, it's, this is uh, wonderful because um, I was just, as you guys, the two of you were just speaking about this uh, a moment ago. Um, what was coming up for me is, 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 the healer as as the as the focal point for energies passing up and down in the hierarchy. If you want to yeah, go return to the hierarchy, what through membranes, through membranes, through membranes. I, 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 thanks. I thought I heard you say remembrance, but I guess that would fit too. That would fit too. <laughs> but anyway, um, uh, you know, it's it's. Um, and, and the other point that was coming up for me is is that I get the feeling from from having known you, but also from reading Membranes of Hope, that that there is a way in which connecting to membranes at different scales as you're allowing yourself to be the vehicle for energies going to these different scales, um, that it, 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 it takes away the kind of existential angst that so many Western people have these days of feeling alone and, and powerless to greater or lesser degrees or feeling like they do have to do everything themselves, and there's no um, help. There's yeah, there's no network of of uh, assistance and and uh, creativity that mm-hmm. you can that you can hook into. That word creativity is one that's that's big in, in membranes of hope too. Maybe this, this is an opportunity to ask you to talk about that hmm. um, in, in regard to these, um, these different scales of operation of ritual, etc. Uh, um, I try. I, I. I'm trying to communicate to people that they they're interacting with a with something that already exists. They they don't have to go build the membrane. You know, mm. you don't you, you don't have to go construct it, and you really aren't in control of it except mm-hmm. for your own personal membrane. It already exists. The village membrane is being held by the trees, by the ecosystem itself you want to participate with this creativity. Is that what you're talking about? You want mm-hmm. to participate and offer, you know, the at prayer absolute. Like I, 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 I offer 
you whatever, you know, take this energy and use it as you need it, right? That let mm-hmm. me be of service. I feel like this this medicine work, it's service, you know? And mm-hmm. and there's a way in which I feel, you know, I just wrote a whole article about how divination is not psychotherapy, you know? <laughs> and yet it's come into this culture and it's gotten put into that pocket. Mm-hmm. So it's so people think, oh well, I'm just gonna go and I'm gonna sit in a room alone with a diviner and we're gonna talk about me and my issues and, and then I'm gonna work on them the rest of my life. No, no, yes, you that's a part of it, but no, the medicine is about the wholeness and upholding the wholeness and being of service to that. We are not creating the ecosystem. We have a lot more control now than we used to. But if we can listen and participate with the creativity of the place where we live and all the beings that inhabit it, and the same with the earth, how can we engage with the earth's creativity in a way of service to, service to? Mm-hmm. And, and, and the cosmic membranes, you know, that's when I... You know, I hope to teach classes in this so I can really dig in there with a group of people that want to even start to begin to to figure out how to be of service to the cosmic membranes, because I'm definitely being told that that it, we really if we want to make an effect on what's going on on this planet, we got to we got to do it at that level. Like, that, you know, uh, that's an interesting um, uh idea and I, I, I you know like to talk about that a little bit because there is the notion I guess of the idea of as above so below and it's an interesting kind of resonance that you're speaking about where here I am at a vocal level and I'm resonating with something at a cosmic level so that the net effect can be somewhere in the middle mm-hmm. and it's a that's an interesting idea that we can contribute at that we can contribute to something larger than ourselves by going big and yeah so, and that so, we we are right we are it's it's just unconscious hmm. we're creating the cosmic membranes yeah. i mean and and what are we what are we creating? I mean, you know, and that that's a part of the book. I don't even know if we can cover in this interview, but this idea that there's forms and patterns stamped onto these membranes that, in a holographic way, might actually really be creating what's within them or participating with the creativity of what's within them, right? And if we collective again collectively has to we can't one person can't do this this has to be a collective effort of a lot of humans really want to change a pattern you know what what they're saying to me is you've got to go change it on, on those cosmic membranes cuz you with you like let's say the pattern of war you have done this for so long this pattern is so stuck on this planet right this pattern of war that you've got to find out where it's living on what on the cosmic membrane and you've got to address it because as long as it's stamped up there 
and you know, up there is also questionable, but mm-hmm. stamped on these larger membranes, you're not going to be able to break the pattern in the 3D. You've, you've got to go change it in the different dimensions because you, with your activity, you have stamped war onto one of these membranes, and it's it's like a, it just it, it's like it's in the hard drive. Just keep yeah, it's you know, it's... and that is like here's another. I mean, I. Again, that that's where I need to go next, you know, hopefully with some people and say, well, how? I mean, if it's possible, really. How? Well, that, yeah, it's it, if, if, if it's if it's possible, then uh, uh, that's wonderful. Uh, and who knows until you try. <laughs> right. <laughs> And I, I, when you were saying that, I was reminded of the uh, uh, in the the idea that's in advanced physics theories today. Uh, there's, a, I think, a mathematical recognition, or uh, I mean, they call this a holographic principle, and it and it's essentially that all the information of a of a let's say a three dimensional space or a a, a space any it works in any dimension but all the information is uh can be represented on the surface yes and and that's that that there's in a sense the surface contains everything that's in the interior yes that's that famous the black hole experiment right yeah there. yeah that, it, it comes up in that is never lost right so for me that's really compelling what do you mean information's never lost? Where is it being stored? <laughs> you know, and and that's that's what memory is. So how does that work? And it, I'm just really fascinated by memory because so much of what comes into a divination is memory or memory. It's like, I don't know where it's living. It's living somewhere, but this... I call it a holographic packet of information comes in and slowly we open it. And it's, it's like you're opening the memory and all this information's coming out. Mm. So again, it's not lost, right? Information isn't lost, which for me goes back to this idea of eternity and what the information is, that it's more than it's all energy, it's all information, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Which is fascinating because of where we are now, where we as humans are living in the information era, right? And people are overwhelmed by information. There's too much information. I don't know what to do with all this information. Well, if you know what? Maybe it's time to look at this. What is information? Mm-hmm. And how do we responsibly interact with it? Yeah, that's one of the nice things about about uh, about the book. I mean, you're not just bringing this up now. This is <laughs> this is directly uh, out of some of the later chapters um, yeah. in the book. And there's and we're we're getting close to our time, but the, there's one other thing that if you can just briefly discuss, and that is information through dreams. I thought that I thought that can resonate for people. So, um, so um, just say a few words about that, if you will. 
Um, are you speaking about the the how I break down the kinds of dreams people might have, or are you speaking more about this idea of what happens when we're dreaming? That um, well, I'm more interested in the latter, but if you want to talk about the former, that's okay with me too. <laughs> Which one is that? I always get former and latter. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Sorry. What, what, I think it's what happens uh, when you're dreaming. Yeah. Yes, Matthew Walker said his name. <laughs> why we why we dream? Mm-hmm. Um, apparently, to process information, and mm-hmm. it's it's <laughs> it's an evolutionary uh, tool that that humans have have or developed or. But not just humans, because we know the dogs dream. For oh, example. right. Yes. Yeah. Correct. Yes. Um, I think that um, dreaming is a really uh, rich vein of experience that um, a lot of us don't mine enough, right? Mm -hmm. So, um, using dream time deliberately to try to process certain information. You know, if that's what's happening when we're doing the REM, we're, we're processing what happened during the day, but you can, you're also process if we're multidimensional beings, right? We're not just processing what happened during the day. We're processing all the information from all the lifetimes. And that's, I think why sometimes we feel like, wow, what was that dream? <laughs> you know? right. Where was I? And and I I do believe that it's um it could be a really effective tool for um syncing up with Gaia, the earth, and dreaming with her. So that uh, that's one of the rituals in the earth chapter is this course that I developed or this ritual you do with others where you collectively decide you're going to dream with the earth and you're going to listen to the earth in, in that way. So it's, it's, so we did it and it was really quite remarkable um, because it's this, the main message the earth gave us, which this, this will bring it around to the beginning (laughs) was everybody kept getting this message. You, you never die. It was just over and over and over again that, that was the message. Nothing ever dies. Unexpected, you know, hmm. but interesting that, that that was a piece of information the earth wanted us to understand. Okay. Thank you. Well, since we have just a few minutes left, uh, I want to have you tell people how they can uh, find more about your work besides the book membranes of hope, um, your website and what kind of activities are you doing now in the pandemic land? And, uh, what do you do outside of pandemic since hopefully we'll be in that space soon as well. Yeah. (laughs) Okay. I have, um, I have three websites. So one is ritualgoddess.com. That's ritual with an R and, um, the second website is stregatree.com, S-T-R-E-G-A. And then I have nastywomenwriters.com. So you can find me at any of those websites. And 
Um, I, I'm currently still doing divinations, although they're all remote. And my hope is, um, to, to, to run some classes, um, about the membranes Mm. and using the book as a guide, you know, this is the textbook, but really wanting to, to have conversations like this, you know, to really try to talk about, engage in this work and people wherever they live, forming networks of people that are caring for the membranes. And so, and then that we all connect up and, and you're not doing it all right. You're in a network of people that are caring for the membranes. And so I, I would love to begin to teach, teach this work and, and see what, what comes forward in the creativity that people bring to it and what, what gets learned when it's held in a group context. Thank you. Thank you so much. Yeah. Well, this has been a wonderful conversation. I've really enjoyed it and gotten a lot out of it. Me too. And, um, Thank you. I love I'm talking very to grateful. you both. So, Thank you. Yeah. All right. Well, thank okay, you. Okay, be well. Yeah. All be right. well. Bye-bye. Bye. You have been listening to The Mystical Positivist. This is your host, Stuart Goodnick. This week on the show, we featured a pre-recorded conversation with Teresa Dentino, author of the newly published book, Membranes of Hope, a guide to attending to the spiritual boundaries that keep life systems healthy from the personal to the cosmic. Teresa Dentino is the author of eight books and serves as a guide and spiritual mentor to many. While attempting to reclaim and restore her ancestral medicine lineage, the Italian Strega tradition, Dentino was surprised to be claimed by the West African Dagara tradition of stick divination. Honored by this invitation, Dentino pursued it, and in 2011 was initiated into this potent form of divination. Thank you for joining us once again for The Mystical Positivist. Podcasts of all our shows can be found at www.mysticalpositivist.blogspot.com, as well as commentary and discussion of topics of interest to the show. Also, please send comments and feedback to mysticalpositivist at gmail.com. Join us again next Saturday. 